Welcome to the From Broke to Badass Masterclass series. I'm your host, Jennifer Griffith, and I'm collaborating with a network of successful women to learn how they live their best lives. The badass women in this Masterclass series share business, life, and spiritual advice and provide you with inspiration, guidance, and practical tips to help you achieve financial freedom, juggle the demands of home, family, and careers, and fulfill your purpose without sacrificing your dreams. Tune in and gather powerful guidance on how to be broken open, transformed, and go from broke to badass. On today's From Broke to Badass Masterclass, I'm joined by Jeanette Schneider, who after 23 years in finance, hung up her executive title to advocate for women in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. She is now the president and CEO of Live Media, as well as an author and speaker. Jeanette's first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, was released September 2018, and she is also the host of the podcast Gold with Jeanette Schneider. Today, Jeanette talks about the steps she took to retire at the age of 41 and some of the challenges in pursuing her dreams. She also marries logic with woo by encouraging listeners to commit to themselves, forgive, and visualize and manifest their future life. Listen in and be inspired. Jeanette, you are an absolute game changer and one of the most badass women I know. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I just got goosebumps. So thank you. It's a great way to start my day. Thank you. (laughs) Of all the things I love and admire about you, I think one of the things I love the most is that even though you have what so many people would call a dark and difficult past, you never allowed yourself to take the role of a victim, but really you truly became an absolute warrior, which is so just inspirational and admirable for so many. So for individuals who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and share your story and kind of tell us how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out, I, I kind of refer to myself as an anomaly um, because of, of my start was a little bit rough. Um, I grew up in a very violent neighborhood. Um, my mom, unfortunately, suffered from issues with addiction my entire life. Um, and I, I don't really feel that I had a role model or I wasn't mothered in your conventional, your conventional sense. So I really kind of was like, by the time I left high school, it's like everything was on me to figure out. And I think I had to make some decisions and a couple of them were, were made for me. Um, and a couple of them were made in, in trial and tribulation. Right. So um, I had to kind of choose myself. I had a very un um, undeserved confidence that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I was very confident from a very young age and I always knew like I would make it. Um, but it was more, I think survival. And I came to realize that much later, like I never wanted to go back to where I came from. I never wanted to end up in that neighborhood, in that environment. Um, I saw, you know, there's drug traffickers, human traffickers, like everybody that was doing bad things kind of lived on my street. And I never wanted to get back to that place. So for me, it was really about like, okay, like how do I build the life that I want? What's crazy is as I sit here and I talk to you, I could never have even imagined the life that I've been able to create. It's insane. The complete and total transition and transformation um, that I've made in my life. Uh, I ended up 
moving into, I, I got a job straight out of high school as a customer service rep for a bank. And they noticed something about me. They continued to promote me. Um, I started to uh, attach myself to mentors who just, they were amazing. They blazed paths and trails for me. Um, and I was the kind of kid who would not accept no. Like if you told me no, I would just turn my shoulders the other way and head in the, another direction. Um, and I most recently retired from a 23-year career uh, with in finance with U.S. Treasury. Bank of America. I was in the private wealth management arm, retired as a senior vice president um, right after my first book came out. And I am now um, the president and CEO of my own media company. Uh, and I just, from where I came from and where I am, they don't match. So I definitely think of myself as an anomaly in that regard. You definitely are. And I love that you say you had an undeserved confidence because that really is a mindset. You always knew you were going to be okay. Like something in you told you, I got this, I can do it. And that I think can be game changing in itself, right? Because I think people need to kind of have this mindset of I'm not a victim, I'll be fine, I'll do whatever it takes, I will survive kind of mentality. And you had that. Oh, absolutely. And there were moments where I could have chosen. I remember being like, it would just be so much easier just to accept this life, right? To, to shop at the scratch and dent store for the rest of my life and just accept this is my reality. But every time I knocked too closely against it and that mind set, I would like, it's almost like, I'm like, I don't belong here. I, I'm too smart for this. I, and I didn't even have anything to back any of that up other than that I did really well in school. Um, and like people who were not in my family and not in my neighborhood always were like, keep going. You're really smart. You're this. So I knew things about myself inherently. I knew that I was really smart. I knew that I was, um, I had a fire about me that really annoyed a lot of people. <laughs> there was a lot of people who felt that I was a willful and defiant child. And I think it's what I had to have in order to kind of keep going. And it is a mindset. You have to get to a place at some point in time where you're like, who am I apart from what other people tell me? Um, and, and dig into the, that knowingness within yourself that I'm going to be fine. I'm really smart. I'm really resourceful. And people who have great jobs and are teachers and are authority figures and bosses all seem to like something about me. Um, so I kind of glommed onto that and, and took that trajectory rather than kind of the cesspool that I was based out of. That was like, we never make it. Mm -hmm. Everything that we try to do fails. You're going to be poor all your life. Those people are materialistic. It was an us versus them. And I was like, I don't want to be in this, this culture clash. I'm going to go do my own thing. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. So you, you mentioned you retired and you re retired at what I think is a very young age. So you and mm -hmm. I are the same age to really pursue your passion. So what steps did you have to take to accomplish what you just recently accomplished, which is a huge feat. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, I'm very fortunate in that I worked with my firm for so long. They had something called the rule of 60. And if your age and your years of service totaled 60, you qualified for retirement. Oh and gosh. I knew probably about three or four years ago, like, okay, I know that I want to do something really impactful. I don't want to be a W2 employee. And because I worked with such high net worth individuals and entrepreneurs, I saw that they thought differently than the, a W-2 employee, right? Like they took chances, they made smart decisions with their money, um, they took risk, calculated risk, um, and I learned a lot, I think, from my clients, uh, 
I also got really clear on what I knew about myself, what my strengths were, what my skill sets were, what I'm not good at, um, what things I like, you you don't come out of the gate and decide to start your own company and, and, and everything's going to be great. Right. I had to get very factual with myself and really understand my numbers to understand like how much time do I have? What would I have to do to create? What are my, um, it's almost like creating a business plan before the business exists. So I spent like two or three years really getting clear on what I had, what resources were available to me. And I also started creating a platform. So I wrote a book. Um, I'd been blogging for a long time and writing for magazines in Las Vegas. Um, and I started just kind of dabbling in things that got my name out there and helped me be seen as a thought leader in a specific area so that when I made that transition, it wasn't a blind side. That's so good. I love it. I mean, it really takes a while, right? You can't just, I mean, I love, I'm kind of a sucker for professional development and self-help books and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Cause sometimes it sounds like they're, they're in a way telling people just do it and do it now, like do it fast, do it ugly. Don't think about it, but you do yeah. have to think about it. You really do need to know, you know, okay, kind of have somewhat of a plan in place and it's good to take risks. And sometimes you have to take a leap and you have to do it quickly. But when it comes to making a huge leap, like retirement, you know, retiring from a successful career, one that's really comfortable and provides you like a safety nest mm-hmm. in the next sleep. I, I love that you said you did have to plan. It took, a, it wasn't overnight. It took a couple of years, mm-hmm. but then you had to put it into place, not only understanding what you're good at, what you're not, but also having realistic expectations too, right? So what have been some of your challenges, do you think, in taking that next step, kind of taking your leap? I think the, the challenge, you know, of course, I, you're embedded in a culture, right? I was embedded in a corporate mindset. I was kind of, my executive coach referred to it as being institutionalized in the best way possible. And you are, I mean, you kind of have this mindset that like, you can't imagine a life without a paycheck. You can't imagine a life without a 401k plan and an insurance benefit. You can't imagine your life outside of that because it's the comfort and security that we've been told forever that we need to attain, right? The whole idea that American dream is home ownership, having a family and retirement plan. <laughs> like It's all packaged together. And so I had to get to a place where I was like, okay, I don't accept that any longer. Um, and I think I like almost practiced the leaving conversation multiple times. And what I did is I got myself really clear on the facts of my situation so that when the opportunity presented itself, I would know wholeheartedly today is the day that I'm going to turn in my notice. Today is the day that I'm done because I didn't want to be like, I'm not sure I'm scared. I wanted to have one of those moments where I just knew with certainty, not only am I okay and done today, but I've already had you know, so much time to spend understanding what my gifts are, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, and how much money I have and what my plan looks like and setting up my life. I also set up my life. I um, paid off my car. I, you know, I, I did buy a brand new house, but I put so much down that my mortgage payment is very reasonable. Like I did very specific things in order to set up a lifestyle that I could Um, be comfortable in as I transitioned. There are so many coaches out there that are like, do it now, make the decision, jump in because the discomfort will bring out the best in you. I'm, I do not subscribe to that because I think the discomfort sometimes will paralyze you. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't spent the time and energy understanding the life that you need to lead comfortably and how you can get to that place, um, I think it's almost a little irresponsible to be like, the universe will provide. 
and, and make the jump. I think you really have to understand what's under that. The other thing that's been really interesting is figuring out who I am outside of the corporate culture. Um, I have grieved many times, surprisingly, um, almost as if there's a death because I was raised in this culture. And even the act of cleaning out my closet um, a couple weeks ago, I literally bawled as I pulled some of my dresses from this. Some of them I was so happy to get rid of and throw in a pile. I had over 23 shift dresses that I would wear in meetings, right? And I piled them up and I was like, yes, you know, like I'm done. But there were a couple of pieces that reminded me of very specific either milestones or tough decisions. And there was another layer of grief that I had to kind of get through. So that's also been under, very interesting is kind of like, who am I in this new life? And do I still believe in the institutional corporate framework as I move forward? How do I kind of divorce myself of that mindset as I build my own company? Yeah. And I think that that's interesting, right? Cause you're going to mourn part of you. You're losing a big part of your identity. I mean, you were in the finance industry for 23 years. So that's 23 years of your life that molded you into who you were. So I think mourning that is only natural. That's going to happen. And you know, you said it's happened numerous times. You kind of, it's like the mourning process. Some days you do better, others you don't, but that's, I think that's just a natural process because you're saying goodbye to an old part of you, but hopefully giving birth and light to this new and then I don't want to say improved you because you've always been amazing, but this new you that where your light is shining even brighter, which has led you now to you have really crafted ultimately your dream life. I mean, you prepared for it. You did it responsibly, but now you're on this amazing mission to advocate for women. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, I, I marry the logical with the woo. <laughs> so I'm very data driven, but I'm also very much like, um, I, I bring mindfulness and wellness to the space as well. So um, my ideal situation, which is what I'm crafting now, is where I get to build a company where we use um, wellness and uh, education as a way to uplift the women and girls today, but also in a pay it forward kind of manner. So I'll kind of give you an example. Um, you know, my book, my book was all about uncovering and unwinding old messages that you believe about yourself. And it's not because I want everybody around me to be woke, which I do, but it's also because I recognize that you're passing on generational cultural programming, social cultural advertising, all of the things that you believe about yourself that you have been fed, not only are they hurting you and causing you negative self-talk, um, damaged and toxic relationships, but you're also passing that down to the next generation. And I want my life's work to be a healthier paradigm for my daughter and her friends. Like all roads lead to that. And because of the time I spent in high finance, I also got to study it from that perspective. Understanding that if we support women and girls, we put them in positions of power, our communities and economies are healthier. Melinda Gates just had a book come out in April, um, The Moment of Lift, How Empowering Women Will Change the World. 100% absolutely believe in that. But I don't think it's just by consumer activism. I don't think it's just by getting girls into STEM programs. And I'm not saying that girls are better than boys. What I'm saying is that men and women together create amazing companies, economies, and communities. But we have to get our girls to this place. But it also, it also requires us to take a look at how we're raising them, right? Why is it that a girl's self-esteem peaks at eight years old? Why is it she starts 
dumbing herself down in the classroom. What are we doing within our systems that is creating these issues where girls are taking softer skill sets? We see this shift now and girls are seeing more powerful women come into these positions of power and in office. Um, but I think we have to get to a place where we're unraveling the stories of ourselves so that we can be better parents to these girls that are coming up. We can be better human beings with healthier lives, have healthier relationships that our children are able to model. I think it all depends on us. It depends on the millennials, depends on Gen X, getting it right and uncovering these things about ourselves, going deep within so that we then can lift our eyes and pay it forward to the next generation. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a, it's a lot of work that starts within, right? So we each have to do the, the work to understand what is our, what's the language we're using, you know, mentally within ourselves, with other people, how are we speaking to other people? You know, are we uplifting them? Are we putting them down? What is it that we're doing? We have to be conscious of the language that we're using, right? I always say words have weight and there's a consequence that comes with that positive or negative. So we really need to kind of um, understand ourselves better to ensure that the, that the words we're using ultimately create a good, powerful impact down the road, you know, and across the road, women and men alike. I mean, we have to uplift and empower one another, but I think especially women for me, you know, this, this series is focused strictly on women, how successful women kind of become the best version of themselves. And I think as women, as successful women, we owe it to one another to empower one another, to lift each other up, to give each other that voice. As you said, you know, we tend to sometimes dumb ourselves down or kind of remain hushed when we know what we have to say is powerful and good. So we just need to support one another to say, don't sit on the sidelines. Like this is your life to lead and you're just as good as anyone else. So I think together we can make a huge difference. But like you said, it starts... It's not just women, it's across the board, but let it start with us for now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like a beautiful partnership happening between the masculine and the feminine, and we don't see enough of that because what's recorded on, uh, or not recorded, but reported on is kind of toxic masculinity. And I see so many men coming to the table and saying like, I want to bring more women onto my board and I want to mentor. Um, So I, I, I see a partnership happening um, it's just slow growth. It is slow, but thank goodness that it's happening. We'll get there, right? There's more of us entering the workforce in so many ways. So I think it's only something that's going to naturally have to happen, whether or not, you know, men or other people accept it. But I love that it is happening. We'll take it baby steps, you know, one step at a time, we'll get there. So I love that you said you kind of have to unravel the story of ourselves. Um, if you had to give listeners kind of three practical takeaways to help them kind of be at peace with their past, whatever that is, right? We all have a past that impacts us. Um, what would you say to help them? What kind of work can they do to help them take control of their past and really create the future of their dreams? Um, I think of it in, in this framework. First, commit. You have to make a commitment to yourself to do the work. I think the one thing and where I, I didn't lose readers, but I think readers kind of sucked in their breath and put my book down in the beginning was because I was asking them to go within. And that's a scary place at times if you're not prepared for it. You're kind of afraid of what little dragons and demons you're going to uncover. So I think first, before you can even think about building a beautiful life, you have to first commit to yourself to do the deep work. Once you make that commitment to self, to lean into the parts of you that are resistant, I then 
think it's a requirement of, of deep forgiveness of self and other. And that's going in and uncovering all of those old messages. You know, in my book, I talk about doing a love letter to your younger self. In that love letter to your younger self, you're really uncovering, after the visualization exercise that I, I share, you're really uncovering, what do I subconsciously believe about myself that is not true? For me, it was, I spent most of my life believing I was unlovable. I had no idea that I consciously, I didn't know consciously that I believed that about myself. And I was entering not only relationships, but the workforce from a place of, I don't belong here. I am unworthy. So you have to spend some time really kind of getting back to the root, like messages and, and programming, pulling that out and actually spending time forgiving yourself and other making sure that you're kind of clean, cleaning the slate and understanding from a new vantage point what your life could look like if you're creating a new paradigm shift. And at that point, I think it's important that you start to look forward and tap into that higher version of yourself. I do a visualization exercise in my book with that where it's like, look at that future version and have her speak to you. What do her friends look like? What do her relationships look like? What is she? Where is she? How is she? What characteristics and values do you see when you, you see her? And then what's the divide? What do you have to do to bridge that gap between one and the other? So I think all of them are deep and total commitment and work on self, starting from that commitment, moving into going into forgiveness practice and, and uncovering all those past messaging, and then manifesting that higher version of yourself from a new, from a new foundation. So good. I remember. Um, um, so I did have the pleasure of attending one of your um, seminars. And I think first off, committing to yourself to do the work, it, it definitely isn't easy. I mean, you mentioned you might have lost some readers doing that because it's there's some, if you do it right, there is some deep work you have to do. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be pleasant, right? Um, but I think when you do it, it kind of releases or kind of unmask something that you know you have to work on. And once you work on that, you're just able to become a little bit better every day. The forgiveness part, I think, is difficult, especially if you have to forgive yourself. Um, I think you may not always know it's yourself and not somebody else that you have to forgive. But then again, when you do that, you create the sense of peace and joy that also allows you to take a bigger step forward. And then the one thing I love that you did, the, the exercise where you had us vision, um, our future self. So I'm, as you know, very short, I'm five foot tall. But when I did that exercise, I saw someone who was tall and just bigger than life. And to me, that didn't mean, you know, I grew obviously <laughs> grow in the future, but it did mean that you're, you kind of grow in confidence, right? And it was so beautiful. I mean, I, and I have that vision in my head. And to me, that gives me the confidence I need to kind of take the steps uh, to succeed or become a little bit better. Cause I just keep seeing my, that future self, that big, tall, confident future self. And I, it's, it's like dreaming. It's a person where it's like, yes, that's who I'm going to become. And I'm going to be so proud of that, you know, or I'm already so proud of that. So I love the exercises that you do. I think your book is so powerful. It is um, not an easy read in the sense that be prepared to cry. Uh, I did have the pleasure of reading. I know many individuals who have read it and we all agree there are some touching stories, the stories, the love, love letters to yourself. I think everyone at some point needs to do that. Those are uplifting and yet heartbreaking, 
but it, you kind of go through the mold, right? They're, they're awesome. And then your heart breaks a little bit, but then all of a sudden it's like you're transformed, you know, by the end of your letter. So I love that work that you're doing. I think, um, for individuals who are able to, um, kind of get access to your book, they absolutely should. And they should definitely work on writing that letter to themselves. I think that's so powerful. So one of the questions I have for all of our speakers is because studies have shown that most successful people have a morning or an evening ritual, do you have one? And if so, can you tell us what that is? I do. So my mornings, I've, it's so funny. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I've never been a morning person, but because of the benefits of having a morning ritual, I actually look forward to getting up earlier now because I see the benefit throughout the course of my day and in my interactions with others. So I get up in the morning, I, um, steep my tea. So I start my tea. I, I drink green tea every morning. Um, and while I do that, I, um, I'm really into binaural beats right now. I have uh, we've gone through various iterations of meditation. I started with breath work and then I moved into transcendental. And I have noticed that a mix of transcendental with binaural beats takes me to another place. And so I have this bean bag. It's actually my daughter's bean bag. It's in my loft. And the reason I love this little space is that um, all of the windows around look directly up to the sky. I don't have any neighbors behind me. So it's almost like I'm laying in the, in the clouds um, and I put my binaural beats in and I go through my meditative practice, come back downstairs, have my cup of tea while I um, do the stream of consciousness writing. So I'm a very big advocate in getting your words out of you in the earlier part of the day. It's almost like you're bleeding your anxiety onto the page. Um, and so I really believe wholeheartedly in stream of consciousness writing. Um, and I do that for a little while. And it's just the way it sets up my day and the way I'm even able to greet my daughter, less from a place of like, oh my God, I got to get you to camp or I got to get you to school, up, 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 and Adam's sister. But more like I'm already in this really great framework. I'm at peace. I'm in front of my day. It's game changing. It is because you're taking that time to invest in yourself, right? Yep. And I always say that, you know, for me, and excuse my language, but if your day, the rest of your day goes to shit, at least you had those five, 10 hour, 60 minutes, however long you're doing it to yourself and to get you kind of start your day in that right frame of mind. So you mentioned you, you write, you journal, are you, is it doing like a brain dump where you're just re randomly writing any word that comes to mind or is it, are you actually journaling? It's, it's stream of consciousness. So it's just the, just words. <laughs> so whatever's coming to mind, it doesn't even make, sometimes it doesn't make sense. So the first time, so the artist way, I took this from the artist way by Julia Cameron, um, and life changing exercise. Uh, they, she refers to it as creative unblocking and becoming known to yourself because what you do in stream of consciousness writing is you're getting all all the fluff out, right? And somewhere in the fluff, there are going to be sentences that marry each other over the course of a few weeks. So a lot of times, like I'll just stream of consciousness, right? And a few weeks later, I'll decide to go back and look over my writings each morning. And you'll start to see a theme that your, con your subconscious is working on. And like for me, when I first started, it was, I wasn't happy with my job, but I didn't know why. And I'd be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, well, what don't I want to do? Um, I remember going back and seeing a theme where I kept saying, I just wish someone would hold my hand. And I was dating un uh, emotionally unavailable men at the time. And I was like, oh my God, there's certain things your, 
your subconscious will share with you when you're in the process of stream of consciousness writing um, that you don't even realize is below the surface. A lot of times I start with stream of consciousness through the course of it. I end up almost in prayer. It's almost like a prayer to, um, for help with certain things that I'm, I'm dealing with or uh, help with building my family or building my company or just help f- to find grace in a specific kind of space. So it's, it's really interesting how it's evolved over time. It goes from being stream of consciousness. And then once all of that fluff is out, it becomes very focused on the things that I need to, to really kind of either create gratitude around or need help and direction on. Love that. And when you started kind of investing in yourselves in the morning, did you start, how, how much time were you devoting to your morning ritual? And then from there to now, how has it changed? Has it increased in time, decreased in time? Um, it's very fluid. And I think like originally when I was doing transcendental meditation, like it has to be 20 minutes twice a day. And I did that, but then I wasn't doing the writing because I felt like I was like, this is a lot of time spent (laughs) in meditation. And I would love to do that every single day, but it's not always possible. Um, So my morning ritual probably is about 40 minutes now, um, but that's, I'm slow, right? So that's me taking my time feeding the dogs, prepping my tea, going upstairs, getting comfortable, listening to my, I would prefer to do my meditation um, for about 20 minutes. Sometimes I can only get in 10 and I, I try not to make it any less than 10 and then writing for, you know, a good 10 minutes or so before I get my daughter up. But, um, it's usually between like 30 and 40 minutes, but that's, I think it's also because I like the slow fluid nature of it. Um, and if you're listening and you're like, I only have 10 minutes, you can fit something amazing into 10 minutes. I just, I'm almost like indulgent in the morning. <laughs> and I think, you know, and we'll have someone who um, speaks about this, but it showed even five minutes of meditation has a huge positive impact. All you really need are five minutes. But I started with, uh, I think it was 20 minutes. And I started by just um, kind of quietly sitting in silence, starting my day in gratitude. And now I can be up to about an hour and a half, depending mm-hmm time I have, right? But it's about an hour to an hour and a half. I look forward to that morning ritual of mine. And just like you, I am not a morning person. My sleep means everything to me. But I've gotten to a point now where I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of sleep just for that kind of starting my day in silence because it's it's my, one of my favorite parts of my day. I have to say, I, I love it and I treasure it. And it's something that now is a non-negotiable for me. So one of the things I've added, which has been really interesting is like, I'll do my, my morning meditation, but um, I'm developing, uh, I'm working on some things in, um, for my co- new company. And so there are times where I'm deep in like almost executive level strategic thinking for three to four hours in a, in a block and it's like your brain almost itches at that point. You're, you're thinking at such a high detailed level that I will put on, I'm like, for my, like, in quotes, lunch break, I will literally put on the binaural beats for an hour long session and lay down and just zone out with that because it's almost like it's the nap my brain needed. It's the reset in order to get me back to a state where I can go back to a strategic level of thinking. I can't be at that place or I crash. Um, I can't stay throughout a whole day at that level of, of focus. So I've also used them as brain breaks and it's been amazing. 
You know, that's so interesting you said that because I just read an article and I wish I could remember where it was that said that most successful executives give themselves a 15 minute break every about three hours or so. And the last thing I do, to be honest, in, you know, working is give myself any kind of break because it's just like, got to go, 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 go for, you know, 10 hours. I might run out to the kitchen. I work from home. So run out to the kitchen to get a bite to eat, but I am not taking 15 minute breaks. And it's, we need that. We need to give ourselves a little bit of time to readjust and refocus and to really give ourselves that brain energy that we need to continue. So I think I'm going to steal your idea. I like that. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> we'll be so effective. <laughs> but I need to make the time. But that's the other thing, right? You, you find time in the morning and then you have to do things that are only going to help and benefit you. And ultimately, look, you might invest two hours of your day and somehow we can all find two hours in the day. There's so many people out there that say, I don't have time. There's no way I can get up five minutes earlier. I'm too busy. There's no way I can, you know, take a 15 minute lunch break. But then when you talk to them about social media, they're on it for an hour a day. So it's kind of reprioritizing and really finding, okay, what's going to make me even better than I already am. So you start hopefully with a morning ritual and then you take these kind of brain naps that you need, even if it's just 15 minutes, you know, start small, same concept in the middle of your day or maybe every three hours is you'll have to find that article and I'm going to have to reference that. I think I forwarded it. It was part of it because my executive coach shared it. He's the one who told me when I was like, I can't function. He's like, why aren't you taking your brain breaks? I'm like, what are you talking about? So I think it was, um, I quoted him in my most recent email, um, that every three hours it's a 15 minute kind of rest. Um, and he works with top performing teams across the country and executive level teams. And he says, Jeanette, they incorporate this into their days in order to think at the level that their staff and their employees and the people need from them, they can't function at that high level if they don't actually recognize they need time to get out of their own way. I love that it was you that said that. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, I think that was my email. Yeah. (laughs) And I love your emails. And every time they come in, it's like a little gift in my inbox. So thank you for doing it. Even though I may not remember where the source was, I knew it made, it had some kind of an impact. I remembered it. But now can you elaborate on that just a little bit more then? So are these individuals, what kind of breaks are they taking? Like, are they literally just closing their door and kind of closing their eyes? Did, did your executive coach elaborate on that at all? He shared that some of them, it's just literally like walking away from their desk and maybe like they have a couch or they have like a specific space where they're just um, kind of closing their eyes for a minute and, you know, maybe listening to something or um, doing a meditation or reading an article that has nothing to do with what they've been working on, right? It's getting them out of that mindset and shifting it to a creative kind of place, a flow state, so that they're, they can go back to their more detailed strategic thinking. Um, he did mention some of them take walks. Like they'll, they'll have like a little path that they walk a certain time every day um, or, you know, stretching exercises or something like that. They just have to physically and mentally get out of the um, level and detail of thinking um, and subject they're focused on in order to kind of reset and get some different perspective. Gosh, that's so good. So again, little baby steps to make you kind of this huge, better version of yourself. I love that. I'm going to have to really try to fit that into my schedule. I think that would 
make a huge difference. So I want to go back and talk about um, just all of the amazing things that you're doing. So you wrote a book, which we've talked about, and it's such an amazing kind of soul work uh, book. Um, you do seminars. What else are you doing? What else is going on in your world? <laughs> I got all kinds of stuff. No, so I have a podcast called Gold, which I love creating. It's so much fun. I get to talk to really amazing people, and you are on it. Thank you for for joining. And um, that's been just so much fun, and people get so much out of it. And I just I love um, the ability to bring communication and and story and i just think there's something to it it's it's great to read an article right it's great to to look something up but sometimes you just want to hear the inflection in someone's tone of voice or hear their story and suddenly it's it's almost like the old school storytelling right it's a way to to digitize the way we used to pass down story um so aside from that i also have created a media company focused on wellness um, i'm in the process of developing an app um, the app is actually going to be kind of revolutionizing the way we look at coaching access and tools that are available to us. It's almost like a lifestyle concierge. So um, that's in development now, and it's been so incredibly fun. I found a developer who we just we match style. Um, we speak the same language. He wants to um, really use technology as a way to reach people and. And um, it's just like the perfect marriage right now. So it's been fun. It, it will be, um, we're in the wireframing process. Uh, it will be ready for public consumption probably um, late this year, early next. But it's just been just a blessing to meet really talented people who all want to do something really great with their skill set. So it's just been a, a joy. Well, I have to say, I love your podcast. It really, truly is one of my favorite ones to listen to. I was just on an airplane listening to one. I think it was Tommy Baker, if I'm not mistaken. And I felt like you guys were speaking to me. I mean, it was, I was sitting there and it was, it almost brought me to tears because I'm like this, I think this podcast was specifically written for me. This is kind of weird, but I love every week, just kind of the messages you have. You have some amazing speakers on there and I love the stories and kind of um, what you're sharing with everyone. So thank you for that. I'm so excited to see everything else that you have going on. I really, truly admire you. I think you are one of the God, the best game changers that I know. I love having you in my life. You are an absolute warrior and everything that you do, I know will benefit and help so many people. So thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your inspiration, your friendship, your love and light. I love everything about you. Thank you. I am like so blessed to know you and so proud of what you're doing in your path. Um, so I'm just blessed to, to share. You're so sweet. And I have to thank you for that too, because I think it's your story. I mean, you retiring from the corporate world at 41 and pursuing your dreams and your passion, your story has kind of gave me the kick in the ass that I need oh, yay. <laughs> to do something more than just work. I love my job. I have a great career, but at times we need something else, right? We need to play a little bit. We need to have fun with our lives. And I feel like if it wasn't for, you know, both your story and kind of, um, your journey and then having a life coach, I really would not have done that. So thank you for that much needed kicking the ass. Um, but if individuals want to know more about you, if they want to follow you and get all things Jeanette, where can they go? They can um, find me at, um, on Instagram at ms.jeanetteschneider. Uh, my podcast is gold with Jeanette Schneider on Apple and Spotify. Uh, my website is jeanetteschneider.com. 
And um, the book is on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And I encourage everyone to go get a copy of that book because it really is life-changing. It really gives so many tools and tips that we all need to just kind of be transformed and opened, opened up and really become that better version of ourselves. So thank you for that. So I love having you on. Um, I also know that you have something for our listeners. Can you tell us what that is and where they can find it? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually recorded a talk for your folks. So it's based on the love letters, writing a love letter to your younger self. I share um, my own journey and um, how important the love letters uh, process was, and then walk listeners through a visualization exercise so they can kind of get clear what their younger self looks like. I suggest if you download it to please take a pause between the questions you can really immerse yourself in them and, and visualize this younger version um, and uh, play with it. Have fun. Enjoy it. Know that sometimes the resistance is a good thing. It definitely is. Well, I love that. I love everything you do, Jeanette. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the From Broke to Badass Masterclass series. I hope you're feeling inspired to take control of your finances, create balance, and live your best life. To continue your journey of transformation, be sure to join the In the Life of Zen tribe, where for only $5.55 a month, you'll receive weekly guidance, inspiration, and tools to make you even more badass than you already are. For less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you'll have access to weekly powerful mantras, meditations, tapping sessions, tip sheets, and articles to help you live the life of your dreams. Visit www.inthelifeofzen.com to join this badass tribe. And if you know other women who will benefit from these interviews, please spread the love by sending them the link to this masterclass series. And stay tuned for more from In the Life of Zen. Visit us at inthelifeofzen.com and follow us on social media at In the Life of Zen.